All right, guys. Hey, we're wrapping up our Breaking Free series today. And over the past several weeks, we've been looking at something called the seven deadly sins. We've been kind of dissecting these, looking at these. What are they? Pride, gluttony, greed, wrath or anger, envy, uh, lust, laziness. All, all of these things that we deal with in our lives, really, sometimes on a constant basis... And so we've been talking about how these particular sins enslave us. These sins literally wrap chains around us to the point to where we can't be everything that God's called us to be. And so we've established already throughout this series that behind every self-defeating behavior is a self-deceiving lie that I'm believing. Because of a lie that I've bought into, it's going to manifest itself in a certain behavior. And that behavior is wrapped up in these seven deadly sins. But Jesus comes on the scene and says, hey, you're going to know something. If you know the truth. Now, what is the truth? Truth is a person and his name is Jesus. If you know the truth, that truth does something for you. What does it do? It sets you free. It breaks the chains off your life. It tears down the barriers and the walls. And it helps you to be what God has called you to be. And so we've been looking at the truth of God's word. The truth of who Jesus is. Versus the lies of the enemy. And that truth is always overcoming the lie. And so we've been talking about that. And today, we're going to wrap up the whole series by talking about the deadly sin of lust. The deadly sin of lust. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this day you've given us. Thank you for the moments we have. Thank you for, Lord, just an intimate setting this morning. Just, just, just to kind of take communion and worship you and lean into you. And so now, Father, we just open our hearts to you. We want to hear from you. And uh, Lord, help us to break free. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you made it to church today. Come on, say, I'm glad you made it to church today. Turn to your second choice and tell them, say, you need a little church, my friend. All right. So let's talk a little bit about this, guys. Let's talk about the, the seven deadly sins, this deadly sin of lust. Now, now, out of all of the seven, this is one of those sins that literally it, it starts out small, right? It starts out small, but then it grows and grows and grows and grows, and eventually it becomes very real in our lives. So, so it's like the fantasy becomes a reality. It's like our fantasy life sexually towards others who are not our spouse in, in, in this thing called lust. And, and this is one of the things that the Bible talks about over and over and over and over again. And it says, hey, this thing can ruin your life. This thing could literally destroy you, this thing called lust. And so what is lust? Let's, let's put a definition on it, if you will, today. So the definition of lust is just simply this. It is a strong passion of longing, especially for sexual desire. So that, that's kind of what lust is, that, that sin of lust. And really, I think as we look at the definition, I think we have no problem in all kind of coming to the conclusion that this really defines our culture right now. This, this kind of defines where we are in our culture. And unfortunately, for so many people, it defines their lives. And so you may be online or you may be in here and you may be saying, man, you know what, this, it, it doesn't affect me. I don't struggle with this. I've never struggled with this. And, and, and let me just say this as kindly as I know how, you're either dead or lying. Amen. It's one of, one of the two. Now, you may be in a season in your life right now where you're not impacted by it as much. But at some point in time, every single one of us has been impacted by this particular sin. And it's ruining our culture. Let me just give you a few statistics right off the bat here. They say that one in five mobile searches, you, you know what that is, right? It's like taking your mobile phone out, getting on the computer, you're searching for things. One out of every five searches are for pornography. One out of every five. The highest users of pornography are teenagers between 12 and 17. 
That ought to wake you up if you're a parent right there. And ladies, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, that's just a problem for the guys. But actually, according to an article by Today's Christian Woman, one in six women admit to struggling with pornography. One in six. And you say, well, pastor, I mean, I, I hear all that, but I mean, it, it's, it's just looking. I mean, that's all it is. There's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's no big deal. But actually, here's what Jesus says. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 and 28. He says, hey, you have heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And so here's Jesus, and he's preaching the famous Sermon on the Mount. And it's really, this whole sermon is really a call to righteousness when you look at that sermon. And here's Jesus equating lust with adultery. And Jesus is essentially saying, if you have looked at someone with lust in your heart, then you've already acted on it. So you're guilty of it. So you understand it's not just a look. It's way more than a look. So much so that James chapter 1 verse 14 and 15 kind of shows us a progression of this. It says, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire. And look at that word there, enticed. Enticed. So, so James is saying, hey, there's going to be a time in your life where you're going to be dragged away. That means there's going to be movement in your life. There's going to be a time in your life where movement's going to take place. And there's going to be something that you don't really want to do, but you're caught up in it. Something that you can't control. All because you were enticed to do something. So what does the word entice mean? It's, it's a fishing term. In the Greek, the word entice means to entrap or to hook. Come on, how many fishermen and women do we have in the house today? Anybody like to fish? Three of you. Amen. You need to get a hobby. Go fishing. So every fisherman or woman will tell you that if you want to catch the fish, you got to have the right bait. And so what does every fisherman or woman have? They have a tackle box. The tackle box is full of all kinds of different baits. You may have spinner bait or crank bait or top water, buzz bait, frog, spider, whatever you choose. You may have a worm, you may have a lizard, whatever. There's all of these different baits in the tackle box, the tackle bag, and those baits are meant to catch the fish's attention so that when that fish comes to that bait, it entices them and you do what? Hook them. And when you hook them, you've got them. When you hook them, you've got them. So here's the thing that I begin to think about. How does the enemy entice us? How does the enemy hook us? It could be as simple as maybe you're innocently scrolling something on the internet. You're looking up like car parts. You're looking up how to bake a cake. You're looking up whatever. And all of a sudden there's all these pop-ups that come up. And at first it's not really a big deal. But then there's something that catches your eye. And before you realize it, you click on it. And what happens in that moment? You got hooked. You got hooked. Maybe late one night, you're just kind of channel surfing. Well, let me just watch something to try to, you know, just try to relax or try to get sleepy. And, and you ran across the channel and everything in you says, keep going. But there's something that caught your eye and you just kept watching it. And what happened? You got hooked. For some of you, maybe there was someone that you trusted. and You thought they would never hurt you. And yet they turned around and took advantage of you. Can I say this with all the seriousness I have? I am so sorry that that happened to you. And I would also say this. You don't have to carry that burden alone. We're here to help you. We're here to walk you through that journey. But you have to be careful because the enemy is lurking around every corner trying to entice you and trying to hook you. But notice it doesn't stop there. Okay, we just read verse 14. Let's look at what verse 15 says. It says, then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to something. What does it give birth to? It gives birth to sin. And sin when it's what? Full grown. 
it gives birth to death. And so this chapter here, this ver- these verses of scripture describe a growth process of sin. And if you equate this to lust, lust is something that always grows. It starts small, but there's a growth process that happens. And eventually you're, you're hooked and it continues to grow. Why? Because what you feed grows. And it will ultimately lead to death. So what started with a simple look eventually goes to imagining. I wonder what that looks like. I wonder what she, he, 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 she. All all of that imagining. It started with a glance and now it's clicking here and it's clicking there. And before you know it, now it's like all the time until one day you can't turn it off. Why? Because it grows. And you may be saying, well, man, I'm just going to do it one more time. I'm just going to look one more time. I'm just going to go down that road one more time. And then I'm going to stop. I'm, I'm just, One more time and I'm going to stop. I want you to lean into me online and in person. No, you're not. No, you're not. Why? Because you just fed it. If you do it one more time, you just fed it. And the reason why you can't stop is because what you feed grows. So it's going to be harder to stop it the next time. So you got to get to the point in your life where you make a decision like right now, the last time was the last time. The last time was the last time. I'm I'm not going to do it again. I'm going to enlist some support. I'm going to get some help. I am cutting the bait. I'm getting off the hook. I'm going to be free. The question is, how do you do that? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. This is not in your notes, but you might want to write this down. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. The only temptation that has come to you is that which everyone has, but you can do something. In the middle of that temptation, what can you do? Thank you, Miss Gina. What can you do? You can trust God. Who will not permit you to be tempted more than you can stand. But when you're tempted. It didn't say if. But when you're tempted. He will do something. What will he do? He will give you a way of escape. So that you'll be able to stand it. So in the middle of the temptation. In the middle of everything that's going on. I can trust God to give me a way out. To give me a way of escape. So how does God give me that way out? I want to give you five things today. Five things that God has provided for our escape. Are you ready? You ready to take some like nuclear notes right now? Like take some notes. There's pens in the back of your seat. And if you're at home, grab a pen. So here's the first thing. Number one, how do I break free? Number one, make a commitment to keep God's standards. Make a commitment to keep God's standards. Be willing to do what the Bible says do. Like decide in advance... I don't even know if this is a word because we got a lot of teachers in the house. Pre-decide. Like pre-decide before you ever get into anything. Make a decision. I'm not going down that road. Psalms chapter 119 verse 11. Listen to what the psalmist says. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not do something. Because I've got your word here. I am not going to sin against you because I've taken the time, I've taken the effort to put and download that word into my heart. Watch what Psalms chapter 119, back up a few verses, verse 9. What does that say? How can a young person live a pure life? How is that even possible right now? By doing something, what? Obeying your word. Obeying your word. You have got to make a decision. What are you going to build your life on? What are the values in your life? What are the non-negotiables in your life? When it comes to your family, when it comes to your home, your children, like, like what, are, what are the values that you're instilling in them? Because listen to me, when they get a certain age, they're going to do what they want to do. That's just the way it is. And all the parents of older teenagers said... Thank you. They're going to do what they want to do. So the point is, while you got them young, what values are you instilling in them? What are you letting them build their life on? Because here's the thing. A lot of people today, they get their values from culture. 
They get their values from what everybody says and what everybody, well, everybody else is doing it, so I ought to be able to do it. No big deal. A lot of people are getting their values from popular opinion. People are getting their values from the government. Turn to somebody and say, help me, Lord. Amen? A lot of people are getting their values from Hollywood. Help me, Jesus. But a lot of people are getting their values from all of these places. But I would submit to you guys that the only safe place to get your values from is to go back to the one that created you, to go back to the one that made you and knit you together in your mother's womb because he has given us an owner's manual to live our life by and the owner's manual is the Bible. It's the B-I-B-L-E and that is the only source that has stood the test of time. So I want to challenge you to do something. I want to challenge you to read God's Word. Like dig into God's Word and, and, and read it. And listen, like whatever the decisions you've got to make in life, whatever the things that come against you, what does God's Word say about that? And you're willing to follow God's Word regardless of the way you think. Because that will lie to you. You've got to be willing to follow God's word because you cannot go wrong if you do that. And so as it relates to lust, when I'm looking in God's word, as it relates to intimacy, let me just say this to you. Being intimate with another person is only to be enjoyed in marriage. That's it. That's the bottom line, guys. And every now and then, someone want to say, well, if God really loved me, he wouldn't restrict my freedom. How many of you guys have kids in the house? Anybody have kids? See, Ann's online kids. How many of you love your kids? I know you want to get rid of them half the time, but you love your kids. Amen. You love your kids. What do you do because you love your kids? You put restrictions on your kids, right? You put restrictions on them. Why? Because... You're trying to take away their fun and you don't love me anymore. Is that why you're trying to do it? No. My youngest son, Aiden. Aiden don't understand restrictions. And if I put a restriction to say, Aiden, this is a boundary, son. We don't cross this. If I say, Aiden, Aiden takes after his mama a lot. Okay, that explains it. Aiden, here's a line, son. We don't cross the line. Aiden will tiptoe and put his toes Right on the line and lean over the line. That's the way Aiden is. That's the way he is. And when I come in and say, that's the standard. Back up. What does he do? He gets mad. He smacks his lips. He slings his head. Rolls his eyes. Now, if you were a parent growing up when I grew up, and my mother is here. She's actually in the nursery today. What did the parents always say? Roll your eyes again, I'm going to roll them back in your head. You ever had your parent to tell you that? Aiden doesn't understand the restrictions, but I give him the restrictions not because I don't love him. I give him the restrictions because I see the chaos that's coming if he crosses that line. You have to put restrictions and set boundaries in your life. The boundaries are the word of God. It's his standards. And if I build my life on his standard, that is a way that God has given me to help me to overcome this thing called lust. Here's the second thing. If you're married in the house, this is for you. Maintain your marriage. Maintain your marriage. The greatest insurance to avoid temptation is to keep the flame alive in your marriage. And all the women said, three of you. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 18 and 19. Watch what it says. Be what? Come on, say that again. Be happy. Be happy, men, with the wife you married when you were young. She is as lovely and graceful As a deer in Jesus' name. (laughs) Hallelujah. You get you about 10, 15, 20 years into that marriage. You wake up in the morning and the hair's everywhere. No makeup. Old ragged jogging pants walking around. And there's also some kind of stuff like here every once. I'm like, what is it? I don't know. Be happy in Jesus' name. Be happy. (laughs) Be happy with your wife. You know what that means? 
In the Hebrew, it means to sparkle with excitement. Sparkle with excitement in the Hebrew. That's what it means. That's why when Adam came out of the sleep and he looked at Eve, the first words out of my brother's mouth were, Girl, you a bone of my bone. I have no idea what that means. I'm assuming it's code for, Girl, you look good. You are all that in a bag of chips. I have no idea. I tried it on Misty the other day. I walked by. I said, girl, bone of my bone. She said, you're weird. Get on. I'm not Adam. Amen. I'm not Adam. Guys, don't tell your wife that. Amen. Just don't. So what does it say? Sparkle with excitement, fellas. But then it says, let her love do something. What does it say? Let it hold you captive. So in other words, don't compare your mate with somebody else because you understand there's no such thing as a perfect mate. There is no Mr. Right. There is no Mrs. Right. There there isn't. And listen, if the grass is greener on the other side, there's probably some septic stuff going on up under the surface. You with me? The problem that I see in most marriages is the spontaneity is gone. Come on, how many of you remember when you first fell in love? Come on, I mean like weak need, butterfly. Come on, love. Has anybody ever felt that before? Like you would talk on the phone for hours and have the time you weren't even talking. You were just listening to each other breathe. And what did you say? You just, oh, I love you. Oh, I love you too. And then you sit there. Oh, did you say something? Oh, I I love you too. And you'd sit there for hours. Does anybody remember those times? But somewhere, the schedules, right? The responsibilities, the time constraint. Let's spark her with excitement. Next Thursday, I got about 15 minutes in my schedule. Let's go on a date. And you understand that when you do get together, you're tired, you're worn out, you got nothing to give each other. Fatigue will always kill the romance. So fellas, ladies, you have to make your marriage a priority. You have to make dating your spouse a priority. Listen, if there was more courting in marriage, there would be fewer marriages in court. Let me say that again. I got my brother back here in the back talking about whoo, flipping stuff all in the air. If there was more courting in marriage, there would be fewer marriages in God. Now hear me today. Just because you're married doesn't mean you're not going to be attracted to someone else. But God's saying, hey, in that moment, redirect that thought and be captivated by your spouse. Let's move on real quick. The third thing. Here's the third thing. How can I break free? Number three. This is the, probably the biggest one, guys. Are you ready to write this down? Manage your mind. Manage your mind. Let me say it again. Manage your mind. Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. Let me sum that up for you. I'll put this in your notes. Your life moves in the direction of your strongest thought. Your life will always move in the direction of your strongest thought. So what happened? Your thoughts determine how you feel, which determines what you do, which determines who you become, which determines where you end up. And it all started with a thought. Well, I'm just daydreaming, pastor. It's not a big deal. Who are you kidding? It is a big deal. Have you ever seen a salesperson work? Like really work? Have you ever watched that? The first thing a salesperson will do is get your attention. They'll get you thinking, hey, have you seen this? Look at this shiny thing. Look at this car. It's got leather seats. Look at, girl, don't you need one of these little bacon racks? Don't you need this fried daddy? Don't you need this little machine, this air fryer? Don't, don't, you, don't you need that? They get your attention and then they go for your feelings. 
Don't you want to sit in it? Don't you want to put it? Go, you look so good with that fur coat. Don't worry about that $1,000 price. That you look good makes you look 20 years younger. They go for your feelings. And what this air fryer, you're not going to believe it. Oh, you got it. You could just hit a button and it, it just goes in. Girl, let me let you taste this chicken. Look how juicy this chicken is. Turn to somebody and say, Gary, buy that woman an air fryer. If they get to your feelings, you're a goner. Why? Hear me, guys. Lean in. Because thoughts lead to feelings. Feelings lead to actions. That's the way it works. So the key is you've got to change your mental thoughts. How do I do that? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. What do we do? We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we do something. What do we do? We take captive some thoughts. Is that what it says? We take captive every once in a while thoughts. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Jesus Christ. As it relates to lust, lean into what I'm about to say. Adultery always starts in the head before it gets to the bed. It will always start in the head before it gets to the bed. And listen, understand me today. Lust is not just a physical attraction. It's, it's not. You, you can see a nice looking man, a nice looking woman. You, that's okay. But it's the desire to possess is where you cross the line. And I know we live in a culture that says if it feels good, just do it. If it looks good, just go after it. I know we live in that kind of a culture, so you've got to check yourself. You've got to check those thoughts, take them captive, because if they ever become your feelings, you're going to act on your feelings. So check your thoughts. King David is walking across the top of his castle one night. He's minding his own business. He looks down. There's Bathsheba. She's actually taking a bath on a roof, which if you read the Bible, you question that. Why are you taking a bath on a roof? Have no idea, but that's where she was. And he was attracted to her. He desired her, but here's where he messed up at. He started plotting how he could have her. Thoughts became feelings. Feelings became actions. Turn to somebody and say, you've got to manage your mind. Manage your mind. Here's the fourth thing, real quick. Monitor your media intake. Monitor your media intake. How many of you would agree that we live in a sexually saturated society? We just do. Michigan State University did a study and found that kids, kids, watch 1,500 sex acts by the age of 18. 94% of what they watch is with people that are not married. And you say, okay, well, what's the big deal of all that? I'm glad you asked. Let's look at Matthew, Matthew 6, chapter 22 and 23. The what? The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, what are they full of? Darkness. Scientists say that technically you never forget what you see. Although most of us can't even remember what we have for breakfast. But scientists say you never forget what you see because it gets stored in your mind. Have you ever been praying? Have you ever been in that moment where you're reading the Word and all of a sudden, like a missile, this thought comes out of nowhere? And you're like, man, where did that thing come from? Well, because about three or four months ago, you watched something and it landed. You understand that the eyes is the gateway to your mind. And what's in your mind drops in your soul. So you have to be careful with that. Psalms 101.3, David actually said this. You might want to write this down. It's not in your notes. He says, I will set before my eyes no vile things. He kind of caught on. He understood, learned the hard way. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. What does it say? Do not be what? Shaped by this world. Instead, be changed Within, by a new way of thinking, then you will know something. What will you know? What is good and pleasing to Him, to God. And so parents, that's why it's so important that we set the example. Adults, I'll even say this. Adults, it's so important that we set the example. That we, we, we kind of set it. Hey, here's the example. Here's what we're doing. 
You know, I thought about that little nursery rhyme. How many of you remember the nursery rhyme, Be careful, little eyes, what you see? Then it goes on, Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little feet, where you go. Why? Because there's a Father up above looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. Well, I kind of flipped that a little bit. Okay, This is Alan's version of that. And I would say it like this. Be careful, big eyes, what you see. Be careful, big ears, what you hear. Because there's a little one below looking up with a glow. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful where you go. And so as men... Let's hit men and women, if you will. As men, we need to set an example of what a godly man looks like. One man in the house said amen. We need to set the example as men in the house. Like your children need to know what a godly man looks like. Let them see you on your knees praying. Let them see you loving your spouse. Let them see you in adversity and how you handle that. Let them hear you come up to them and say, man, I blew that. I'm so sorry. Caleb and I were shooting the gun the other day. And he did something. It, it actually scared me a little bit. And so my reaction was, you know, like, what's wrong with you, boy? So, and, I, and I come down on him a little bit too hard. And I realized that and I said baby listen to me daddy's sorry come down on you a little bit too hard but you know here's why I did it will you forgive me guess what your kids need to see that your kids need to see that because listen you got kids and and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with games mine play them too but they're on Fortnite and they're on all these things what kind of men are they looking at there I want my kids to see what a godly man looks like men we need you to stand up we need you to rise up we need you to be who God's called you to be because there's a little one below looking up with the glow so be careful big eyes hands feet where you go we need godly men in the house today but just as much as the men we need some godly women in the house today we need some Proverbs 31 women. Like, what does a good woman look like? What does a mom look like? To go and pray over their kids. To, you know, get the husband right every once in a while. Amen? But we need that in our society. If you're sitting there at the dinner table, and your kids are surrounding you, men or women, and this is all you're doing, guess what you've missed out on? The greatest opportunity that God has set before you. And you missed it. Because you're so involved. Well, Sheila just got her hair did. I ain't got my hair did. What's up with that? Manage your media intake. Watch what Paul told Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. What does he say? Say that word. One, two, three. Run. Run from anything that gives you evil thoughts. Stay close to anything that makes you want to do right. You know, Missy and I, some time ago, we, you know, we were by ourselves, which is kind of unusual because we got four kids. And so it just happened, so happened that all of them were gone. And I said, babe, what do you want to do? Let's go watch a movie. Great. What are we going to watch? Have no idea. Let's just go. So we did. Popcorn, drink, you know, like $50 just for a movie. But anyway, and I'm like, well, what is this movie? I don't know. Looks all right by the screen, I guess. I don't So we walk in. Five minutes into this movie, I look at her, and she looked at me, theater packed. I said, baby, this ain't a place we need to be. She said, I agree. We stood up. We walked right out. Peacefully, quietly, we walked right out and we just went to the park and just ate some popcorn. Well, that's going to cost you money. But what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? I can't afford to sit there and let all of this stuff come into my mind, my eyes, the gateway of my mind and drop into my spirit. I can't do that. So set the example. Manage your media intake. Then here's the last one, guys. Is this good? Are you guys getting anything out of this? Is it good? Four of you. Okay, hey, man. Number five. Manage the opportunities for temptation. 
Last one. Manage the opportunities for temptation. You say, well, Pastor, that's just common sense. You're right. It is. So how do I do that? How do I manage those opportunities for temptation? Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. There's two things we got to do. Watch and pray. Come on. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Why? Because the Spirit is willing. The Spirit of God inside of you, man, it's willing. But that body, that flesh is weak. And so you've got to be on guard. You've got to watch. Be alert. A couple of sayings. You guys know this about me. That's something I tell my kids all the time. It's embedded in them. I can bring them on the stage and they will say, Hey, what do I tell you all the time? Boom, they would say it. The first thing I tell them is no matter where you are, keep your head on a swivel. When I was playing football in high school, my coach taught me that. He said, Peacock, keep your head on a swivel like whoever comes by you. And so I'm constantly telling my kids, keep your head on a swivel. We were at Cabela's yesterday. Come on, how many of you know that's like the Trinity? That's like the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit all in one place in Jesus' name. Price is kind of high. But anyway, we got out. We were walking in the parking lot. I saw Caleb venturing a little bit too close to where I I said, Caleb. Head on a swivel, he said. Get it right back in. Keep your head on a swivel. Here's the second thing I tell him. Always be aware of your surroundings. Always be aware of your surroundings. Be alert. There's situations that are going to come up in your life. They're going to try to trip you up. Be alert. But if you get caught off guard, watch. But you got to pray. Like, God, help me. Get me out of this. Make a way for me to escape. It's like a teenage boy went to his pastor one time. He said, Pastor, he said, my girlfriend and I, and I'm sorry, we, we just keep going too far. And the pastor said, well, man, t- explain to me what's going on. He said, well, we, every time we go out at night, we have a good time, but then we go park. And the pastor said, son, he said, you got to keep watch. That means stop parking. Stop parking. He said, but if you do find yourself alone and this temptation comes up, he said, take her by the hand and say, Father, forgive me. Forgive her. In Jesus' name, give us a way of escape. The teenager said, Pastor, I can't do that. He said, why not? He said, because, man, that'll spoil everything. It's like Augustine once said, Lord, deliver me from lust. (laughs) But not yet. Y'all get that later. Let me say this to you in closing. Avoid tempting areas as much as you can. Avoid tempting areas as much as you can. But if your weak body finds itself there anyway, pray. Pray. Let me add this. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. People who condone. People who encourage. People who make light of this sin of lust. Can I just be honest with you right now? Kind of from a pastor's heart. They are not your real friends. They are not. Does that mean you're holier than they are? Absolutely not. Does that mean you're too good for them? Absolutely not. It it means the opposite. Because you're no better than they are. But you have a whole lot easier time pulling them up. Than having them pull you down. So in closing. Let me, let me just kind of address two groups. Today. For those of you who are in here. And you're saying pastor man. Where were you 20 years ago? Like I needed this message 20 years ago. Before I filled my mind with garbage. Before I made the choices. Before you know I got myself into what I'm in now. I'm paying big time for this. I would say to you today, there is always, always, always forgiveness found in Jesus Christ. Always. There's always a fresh start. There's always a second chance. There's always a clean slate, if you will. And so my challenge to you today, online, in person, my challenge to you today is from this day forward, I'm going to be a person of purity. From this day forward, I'm going to be a person of purity. For the singles in the house, those watching online, what I would say to you 
is wait for God's best. Wait for God's best. Don't pay the high cost of sexual sin. You will avoid so many hurts. You will avoid so many problems. So many mishaps. There's a scripture in Proverbs. I was reading it this morning actually. It it says, don't awaken my love before the time. You ever read that? It's in Proverbs. You know why it says that? Because that's one of them things that's a beast. And when you wake that thing up, it's almost impossible to put it back to sleep. Don't awaken it before the time. Pastor, man, I hear you. I do. Pastor, I'm going to have to get somebody to rub my toes today because you've been stepping all over them. But guys, man, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you to be everything that God's called you to be. Man, lean into to this message today is not a message of condemnation in no ways former fashion. It's not that. It is a message from my heart. You guys know how hard it is to preach a message on this? Do you understand how hard that is to, to look at some of you guys and you're like, it's hard. It's hard. But it's something that we deal with on a constant. We do. I love you. I love you watching online. I do. So where are you at today? Pastor, I'm in, man, I'm in the thick of it. I'm, man, I'm clicking on things. I'm watching things. Man, I'm going places. I'm in the thick of it. You know what your prayer needs to be today? God, help me. Watch. Watch and pray. God, help me. Keep my head on a swivel. God, give me the strength to say no. Because hear hear me today. We try to do it on our own. We we say, I'm I'm going to quit. It's going to be good. And what do you do? You ever prayed to prayer, God is me, and you know? Like, ain't nothing new. It's the same thing. Because we don't have the strength in and of ourselves to be able to walk away. So we have to say, Father, help me. Give me strength that I don't have. So when I find myself in that moment, God, I can say no. Parents, I love you. And I am right there with you. I so wish that all of my kids would do right. I so wish I've got a daughter, sis, if you're watching, man, I love you with all my heart. And sis is on a journey right now. And I so wish for all of our kids, guys, I wish that all of our kids would just, you know, Like grandma. Grandma used to walk around with a fly swatter. Does anybody remember those days? Anybody ever had your leg toe up with a fly flap? Come on, somebody. Grandma used to whoop us so much with that thing, the fly flap would fall off and it would be nothing but metal streaking them legs. Grandma used to always say this, straighten up and fly right. I made the mistake one time. She said, straighten up and fly. I said, "Eh, eh, eh." The worst beating in my life. I've got a 20-year-old. I've got an 18-year-old. I've got a 12-year-old. And I've got a 9-year-old. You say, man, how did that happen? We'll talk later. (laughs) 20. (laughs) It won't buy choice. Amen. 20. 18. 12. Nine. I'm seeing my 20-year-old 
taken life by the tail. My 18-year-old is still home, but I can see a disconnect coming there. I can see where he's not depending on me as much as he used to. He don't sit in my lap anymore. He don't let me tuck him in and say prayers with him anymore. He's getting grown. I just want to share my heart with you guys because I know where you are as a parent. I feel the pain you feel. I got a 12-year-old that's been around your kids too much. Yeah. Out there in that module, I know you. I got your number. My boy don't talk like that. It's yours. Amen. I'm seeing him go through a phase where he's pulling back. He's still my son. Every once in a while, he won't sit in my lap anymore. But we, we bought him a new bed the other day. And every once in a while, I'll go lay down beside him in the bed. And I say, hey, buddy, what's going on? It's just that moment. Took an opportunity yesterday. We woke up. I said, hey, buddy, it's just me and you today. Where you want to go? He said, let's go to the gas station. Why? Because the gas station has hoop cheese biscuits. Come on, somebody. But my nine-year-old is, is, is my little man. Coming here this morning, he's been at Mima's all weekend. He's spoiled rotten. He come in, he, he hugs my neck, he sits in my lap. He's still dead, his little boy. But I see them all kind of going, developing who they are. Breaks my heart as a dad. To say, man, I, I see the direction you're going. Could let me? No, I got this. Let me. Help, I got this. And I was like that too. We all are, but it breaks your heart as a parent. And and I'm with you. I am. But guys, let me just be honest with you. The only way we're going to make it is to stay in this thing together. I pray for you, you pray for me. As men, we've got to join together and pray for one another and lift one another up. And the pressures of life will, man, it'll suffocate you. And ladies, man, I can't imagine, you know, to see my wife, you know, she still wants to take Lane, like, to college. I'm like, what are you doing? You can't, you can't walk him to his classroom. What are you doing? But it's a mother's instinct. I'm like, stop. Amen in Jesus' name. But as I, I see mom and I'm like, it's a season we're in. It's a season of this. We still got a couple of little ones that we're, but for most part, it's a season of this. And I know around every corner, there's the seven deadly sins. And it's trying to trap them and chain them. Stand with me all over the house. God, here's what I want to do. And if you don't feel comfortable, you're, listen, you're not hurting anyone's feelings if you don't. But I want to end this series, if you feel comfortable, around this altar. As parents, as married folk, as single folk, as whoever folk, I want to end it around the altar, praying together, God, break us free. Help us to be everything you've called us to be. And if you need special prayer, we've got people that will be willing to pray for you. People that can love you and help you and walk with you through the journey that you're on right now. So right there where you are, would you just be willing to just step out and say, man, let me get to the altar and pray. Just come on, right where, wherever you are. If you feel comfortable, right where you are. Just say, man, I need to get to the altar. I need to get to the altar with, with my spouse. I need to get to the altar with boyfriend, girlfriend. I need to get to the altar just as a single. I, need, I just need to get to the altar. I need to get to the altar. Because Lord, I love you and I need you. 
And Father, hey, if we could just kind of make our way around this way, guys, if you don't mind, let give everybody an opportunity and a space to, to get up here and gather together. And, man, look at me. Hey, let's widen that camera. Look at me. Because I'm going to walk. These guys got me. You see this tape right here? This is my box this media crowd has got me in. <laughs> I'm going to step out of the box. Parents, let's pray for one another. Let's pray for one another. You pray for me, I'm praying for you. Come on, how many of you right now, your kids acting a little squirrely? Come on. Anybody? Thank you for being honest. Come on, some of you like. Let's pray for each other. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, first of all, we come to you as parents. And Lord, we lay our kids at your altar. Father, we pray over our kids. We pray, Lord, protection. We pray, God, that you would stir something in them. They are men and women of God. There is a calling. There is a connection. Lord, there is an anointing attached to their lives. And Father, the enemy is so, so slick that he comes in and he hooks us unaware. But Father, today... I pray for every one of our kids, Lord, every one of our kids that are on the hook. God, today, sever the line. Today, pull the hook out. Today, let them go free. Father, in Jesus' name, we join together as a family. We join together as a body of believers agreeing that these young people are going to be the next generation, Lord, that's going to usher in your presence like never before. Lord, grow them up. Let them be pastors. Let them be teachers. Let them be evangelists. Let them be missionaries. God, let them do something great for the glory of God. Don't let them just kind of wander through life aimlessly, Lord. There's too high calling of, of, of something that you've put on their lives to just be wasted. So God, let them step into that. I pray for every husband. I pray for every wife in this place today. Build a hedge of protection around our marriages. Build a hedge of protection around our marriages. God, help us to keep the flame alive. God, help us to do what we need to do. First of all, help us to pray together as a family. Lord, help us to date our mate. Help us to find time for each other. Help us to find time to get into your word, to pray together, to fast together. Lord, to do life together. God, help us and build that hedge around us. Father, for the singles in the house, God, I pray over them. Lord, that you would anoint them, that you would equip them, that you would lift them up, Lord, and give them a strength that is beyond anything they could dream or even imagine. And God, pour your love out on them in a way that's indescribable. And God, help them to receive from you, help them to live for you, help them to serve you and worship you, and help them to be patient, to wait on you. God, we cry out to you today. With every one of these sins, Lord, that we deal with, we pray in Jesus' name to break us free. Break us free today, God, and help us to be who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, and everybody in the house said amen. Give God a big hand clap of praise all over the house.